Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm excited today to talk to Hector Cortez. He is the owner of a company called Snack Media, which is a great name, Hector. Thank you. When you think about how we are consuming sort of social media, it's a space I'm interested in, not only as someone who writes cookbooks, but who's in the broadcast space myself, and also as a consumer, like how it's so quickly changing how we're consuming video and finding out about new restaurants and getting excited about the food scene. Hector, tell me a little bit about your journey and how you started Snack Media. Yeah, my journey. So I was actually... And most people don't know this, so I'll share a little piece of information. But in college, um, I was very into music. And I actually started out in the sound world. So um, producing, making songs, that kind of thing. So, sure. Um, I bought a DSLR in the attempts of, like, I'm going to start recording myself, doing cover songs, and playing for the internet and see if I can gain a following. Um, and so that's how I got my hand on a camera. And once I had that, I was like, okay, this is, like, fun. I really enjoy, like, the visual side of things. And so I started doing senior photos for people just to see if I had a, you know, a good eye for it. And it turned out I did. Um, fast forward a bit, uh, did a marketing internship with a company called Woodchuck USA, uh, where I got to use my camera skills, video skills to create product videos to actually make sales on e-commerce. And I was able to drive their numbers significantly over a three month period, just with, uh, videos and photos on Instagram. And I was like, okay, this is super cool. Like not only can I create, you know, art, which I thought I was doing at the time, but I can also move the needle in a business sense. And that felt very empowering uh, as a young college kid. So absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of drifted away from the music and kind of focused on like, let me make videos. I really enjoy doing this. So we have seen a lot of transformation in this space. How long have you had Snack Media as a company? So Snack is a COVID baby. Um, it was born in March of 2020. Um, and that's kind of the second iteration of my video company. Um, in 2017, I had my original video company, which was called Echo, which was just a combination of my first and last name, the classic name. Um, and not a lot changed from the first company to the second company besides like a one-year hiatus where I had joined a client of mine in a program called Techstars. And I'll give them a shout out. Um, basically, it's a, an accelerator program for apps or ideas. And um, I took a one-year off hiatus to join that because it was a really good opportunity for me to get uh, actual marketing spend, uh, you know, more than I ever had before behind my creative ideas. So we were able to push this idea creatively and, and uh, through the ad space world. And so I took a year hiatus. Leaving that, I realized that, um, you know, in the, in the early days, we were creating these kind of one-off flagship videos for companies, right? So I could, for example, if you've been to Crave, you know, they were a client of Hecko a while back. And, you know, we did a, a beautiful video, full set, yes. multiple locations, all that good stuff. And it was about a minute and a half, two minutes. And I still love that video visually, but I realized like, man, companies can't just make one video a year or every other year and expect to gain traction. And also like the value, the ROI isn't there anymore because they're like high ticket items, you know, 
Yeah, a video like that costs, I mean, my experience would be about $10,000 by the time it's all said and done. Exactly. Right. And so the ROI just started to like not make sense anymore. It's like, hey, I'm getting less content, you know, very infrequently. And it's also super expensive. And anyone can tell you that formula doesn't work, you know. Um, and especially in the startup space with the Techstars program, you know, it was very evident like, oh, we need to create like multiple pieces of content every week with ad spend just to see it perform well. And so I got hands-on experience uh, and that almost kind of became my thesis of like, it needs to be short, it needs to be to the point, and it needs to be often. And from there, I was like, that's that's going to be my new company once I you know, venture off from the startup. It's going to be called Snack Media, short bite-sized pieces of content that are at a more approachable price point. You know, rel everything's relative, but that's going to be feasible, you know, on a monthly basis, which is what I thought. Yeah. And there's still a big difference between you holding up your camera and doing something quick and easy and down and dirty and having someone that has like a story in mind that's producing something that is still small and snackable, but they have like a beginning, a middle and an end, even in that short narrative time frame. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny because like the lines are starting to get blurred between you know, what it used to be and what it is now. And it, it was kind of a bit of an identity crisis. And, you know, it's like, well, do we do high-end stuff? Because we have that technical skill and we can make beautiful imagery. And there's sometimes a need for that, you know, for example, internal projects at companies. Um, you know, sometimes they need a professional high-level video that's two, three minutes long that they share, you know, with their thousands of employees. And we get that and we enjoy that and it's great. Um, but the day-to-day -day activity, I think, is on social media. That's where I do all my consuming. I think that's where a majority of people will watch videos. Um, so I really wanted to be a, you know, social video first company because um, I think that's where the game's played right now. Yeah, and it's really smart because that's what intrigued me about when I learned about you right away. I thought, oh, this is interesting. He's coming at it from where the consumer is versus where maybe the companies are and and all of that will come together and then i saw some videos that you did for billy sushi and yeah. you know billy is a crazy larger than life character so he has a lot of a lot to play with but what i got about that is they were so well produced they were quick and they i knew they were driving business to billy because Billy is also a good businessman and he's not going to do something that he doesn't think is bringing you into his seat to eat some sushi and drink some sake at his establishment. So I thought that was pretty cool. When you approach a customer like a Billy or a Crave, because I'm assuming restaurant space is a good space for you. Yeah. So, I mean, ironically, Billy was kind of, uh, we had a hiatus from restaurants after Crave. Um, it was mostly B2B clients um, for a while. And Billy kind of showed up uh, in my text messages one day. And like you said, larger than life ideas, I, some friends introduced me to him. He's like, hey, I got this giant thing called a Sherp. And I'm a, you know, I listen to rap music. I saw the Super Bowl, Kanye West in the Sherp. I knew exactly what that was as soon as I got that uh, call uh, or the text message. So I was like, what is yeah, it for the listener that maybe doesn't know? So a Sherp is like a nine foot tall, semi-aquatic bland vehicle all terrain where you know it's it's wheels are 
about five feet wide and they look like inflated balloons, um, four of them. And you can drive it on you know, grass, you can go into water, you can go on roads. Um, basically it was designed to traverse like Siberia without breaking down. Yep. Um, it's got like 10 gallons of gas in each wheel. So it goes forever. I mean, it's like, it's just a, a roaming vehicle basically. So Billy ends up with one of these, probably from someone that he knows. He actually ended up buying that. I don't know if I can say that publicly, but he bought it off of a friend. And That's so it's hilarious. his. He has it. We've used it. We filmed a few videos from it. Um, but uh, yeah, we didn't do a ton of restaurants. And then I had that with Billy. And I, here's what I'm starting to notice with restaurants. Is I think they get so much content from people um, posting it themselves that it's tough for them to go, okay, now I want to make my own. And they're not really being serviced in that way. And we actually think that's a huge opportunity because I think it's good to have user-created content, right? I think it's amazing when anyone makes a video for you. That's great. Yep. But if you want to tell a narrative or you want to remind people, you have to get on the ball and do it yourself. And that's what's special about Bill is he understands that. He's like, hey, I want to be a brand. I want people to see it from my perspective. There's stories to be told um, from my angle. And we get to do that with him. And I think like, Gone are the days, and I'm guilty of this, where you'd go into a restaurant and the lighting would be horrible, but you'd have a beautiful dish and you would take the pictures and you would try your best, but they always looked a little crappy. I just posted some pictures from a dinner I did last night at the Lexington, and as I was posting them, I knew they were terrible and I did my best, but that isn't the same as the chef you know, sitting in the kitchen and micro-tweezing those fish eggs onto this oyster with this beautiful minuet. Right that's the narrative that he wants versus, you know, my eating it at my table and it looking grainy and horrible in my photos. Yeah. So, and, and even beyond that, he's just to give Billy a shout out. He's very much about like, he's a happy, jolly guy. And he wants people to feel that when they come to Billy Sushi. So it's actually been so much less about focusing on the food and more about like, are people smiling when they watch the video? And he genuinely is like, you know, that way. And he wants people to be that way. So. Yeah, I and and he is that way as a human being. He's fun. And that when you go to his his restaurant, you feel that in a lot of different touch points throughout the restaurant. So you're in an industry that's kind of funny because I've been in this industry, too. And anyone with a phone thinks they can do it, do it cheaper, faster, better. It'll be good enough. What do you say to that person that's not spending any money to create these types of snackable videos but really could use them in terms of generating traffic. What do I say to them? Well, we're launching an ad here soon, an internal ad my team is creating. Um, and we're also partnering with uh, Eat, Drink, Dish, if you've heard of them. I sure have. <laughs> yeah, Golnaz. So Golnaz and I are partnering on this. Because um, I'm, I'm truly about like providing value to like being in that startup scene and running my own company and see dollars going in and out. Um, you're only going to do something that works for you financially. Um, and I think what video companies have gotten wrong in the past is that like the, the financial responsibility around making a $10,000 video once a year doesn't work anymore. And that was a hard pill to swallow for me in the early days. Cause it was like, Oh cool. I'm finally good enough to make these videos. And now it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's my perspective. Some people might argue, um, but uh, 
as soon as we kind of swallow that pill and go, no, let's own this social market, like the social space where it actually works, it actually moves the needle. And it's like, we've been busier than ever. Like, you know, it's keeping up and getting videos out the door is now the new challenge for us. And um, how so long- I would say, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So to answer your question, like if you're a restaurant owner that's not doing this and, you know, if you have, have reserves to spend, I think this is a really good space to start. And it's never an immediate magic bullet. But I think if you commit to it for a few months and you start making good content, people will see it if it's good content. And when people see things, they get excited, they go reserve, they make plans. Like that's just how society works. It's also kind of weird. And I don't mean to knock on restaurants because I've been on both sides, um, working in them and marketing them. But it's also kind of weird that this expectation of restaurants is that like they can't afford to advertise that the advertisement is their food or the customer walking by. And it's like, no, every medium, every service business needs to be reminding people why you should be thinking of them top of mind. And yes, it can be expensive, I guess. And that's maybe a reason not to do something, but it's like, you know, a restaurant comes and a restaurant goes and it's like, oh, well, the neighborhood didn't support it. Well, what did you do like to reach out to the neighbors and to let them know like what your specials are, what you're doing, what you do different? I, I feel like restaurants have gotten kind of a little lazy in their marketing in some respects, relying on the consumer to do it all for them with reviews or or Yelp or whatever the the user generated content is. It's like, no, control your own narrative. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, I, I don't run a restaurant, so I couldn't say like, it seems very difficult, I would say. I think and it I is. Think, I think it requires like kind of all of your attention on just running it. And so I think that's where the pain point is for restaurants to go. Oh, let me add becoming a video content creator. Um, and we actually kind of make that joke with Billy uh, in some of his ads. You know, he's like, man, now I, I got it. Right. Um, Because that is the joke. And in our new ad that's coming out, um, we kind of poke fun at that, too. It's like, okay, now I got to run a restaurant and become like a media icon and know how to edit and all this stuff. Or I can hire an influencer who's really focusing on themselves and not my restaurant. Um, We poke fun at those things. And we're snack citizens. We want to solve that problem. Like, let us make the videos for you because it is time consuming. It does take talent. It takes research. Um, and you should, uh, as a restaurant owner, you shouldn't be doing that. It doesn't make sense time-wise. Uh, and so the cost to uh, do it yourself versus us, I think, is actually way less expensive just to have us handle it. So let me go back to you're going to partner with Eat, Drink, Dish. And I want people to leave this podcast to generally have an idea. Like, what does that, like, what does a partnership look like? Not necessarily specific to her, but when working with you and what kind of things do you provide and how much would they need to budget to have something like this go forward? Yeah. So touching on the eat, drink, dish. So what I was looking at in the market is like, we want to make videos that get views is what we're, we're attempting to do. Um, you know, dare I say viral. Um, I think people avoid dare. that. Because it's like, right. People avoid it. And I think a long, for a long time, people avoid it because it's like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. You can't guarantee something to go viral. But then I started thinking, you know, the videos you see on your Instagram feed are the best of the best performing videos right now. Um, and that's because the algorithm has shown it to people 
have A-B tested it at scale. And then now what ends up on your feed is the best content. Like that's what it is, whether you like it or not. And that's kind of a discovery I also made. Um, and so what we do is we take videos that um, have a good structure, right? That have a viral tendency and we reverse engineer those. And then we go to Billy or other restaurants and we make those for them. So you're getting a really high chance of your video getting high engagement, right? Cause that's our base. That's where snack yep. is starting and operating right now. Well, then Instagram came in and said like, Hey, we're going to do collaborative posts, right? Where it shows up on your feed and the person you collaborate its feed. So you can kind of share your following base. And that's where eat, drink, dish became very, very interesting because she's already got a very, very, uh, engaged foodie community of 75,000 followers um, that are wanting to watch food content. And so the perfect marriage was, well, let's let us make the videos that have high engagement, have a tendency to go viral. And then let's do collaborative posts with Eat, Drink, Dish so that they also get that immediate exposure from her audience. But then again, not to take away the spotlight from the restaurant because of how the collaboration posts work. It also is on their feed too, right? So now you get this video that's on your page, likely to go viral as an immediate 75,000 audience plus whatever their uh, actual, you know, let's say it's Billy's following. Yep. And now you have a formula that's going to more or less guarantee that you're going to get eyeballs on it. And I felt like that was too good of uh a pitch or a value add to not do. And so that's what we're going to do. So and to get to me, the price thing. Yeah, go ahead. It's yeah. So to get to the price thing, you know, um, it's a Golnaz and I are doing a split on it where we produce it. She posts it. Um, right now we're kind of doing introductory price going to be $1,500 for a reel. Um, and you can do, you know, one a month or up to four a month. You get some price cuts if you do more. Um, but yeah, we think like the right restaurants will understand that that's pretty big and they can recoup that really fast. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're offering. We're I also just, I feel like this is a good opportunity. Golnaz and I have been, uh, what are well, colleagues, colleagues, friends, we're friends, but we're not like personal friends. We've been more like in this space friends where we yeah. had coffee a few times. We're friends. I mean, that's weird to say, well, we're not friends, we're colleagues, but like we have had coffee a number of times. We've coached each other on different things in this space. And it makes me just personally really happy that she's found you and you have found her because, you know, she has just painstakingly built up this audience over time. And she has been very solid and stayed the course in building this audience. And the algorithm has changed you know, it used to be beautiful pictures and it was user generated content. Then it was, you know, it's really evolved. And I just like her so much as a person. She's a young lady that has grown personally herself. She's moved a few times. Like it makes me super happy that she now has this link with you and also this huge audience base that she has cultivated. It is hers. She's worked it hard. Yeah. She's kind of grinded it. Um, and I spoke to her about this. I'm like, you know, your account's been around for a while and like the rules have changed over the over the years and like, you know, your ability to adapt through it is pretty astounding. And so, I mean, she's got, uh, the proof is in the pudding, I'd say. Uh, she, you know, yeah. She's really done a good job. Uh, 
And we just get to be an extension of that, you know, yeah. to con continue on into the next era. I can show you a little clip of our ad Billy's featured in it. And this is not released yet, but we're, you know, we're talking about the pain points of making videos and yep. not getting, not getting views. And um, I'll show you gold nozzles in this uh, towards the end. That's so funny. Um, oh she yeah. Is. She's so cute. Look at that. So I love that's it. coming soon. But basically, you know, it's a, it's a um, boiled down version of what we're talking about where it's like, Hey, making your own videos is hard. You should do it because it's the best way to share, um, you know, your story, your food, the world. And um, we want to help you do it at the highest level. So work with us. Can we talk a little bit about um, just like some general trends and social things you're seeing at this point? So like they just made an announcement today that TikTok and Universal are having a music licensing problem and they're going to start taking Universal music off of TikTok. Um, that seems like an opening for other companies, but also TikTok has tried to launch kind of a music version like an Apple in other countries. And so that is seen as a ped impediment to them doing that in the United States further. What do you see like... What's the next thing we've later eight? Have you experimented with that at all? That's another food site. No, I haven't later. eight. Yeah. And it's, it started out and it was going to be like the thing. And then it's probably not the thing, you know, TikTok. I think I was slow to it just because it was like, ugh, one more thing. And then they, everybody got scared that it was like the Chinese were spying on you on your phone. When yeah. you rank importance, is Instagram still where it's at for like visuals, Facebook for communicating with, let's say, the older folks and TikTok now the younger folks? And do you have anything that you're watching on the horizon that's next? Yeah, so I think what you said does ring true a little bit, but, you know, I've sent my mom TikToks and she's watched them, you know, so I think like that, I think it's all kind of homogenizing, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I think, you know, definitely the, the people that are creating on TikTok are young um, just because that's, you know, creating is different than consuming. But I think there's a lot of people consuming TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, here's what I'll say about TikTok. It is a random mess of an algorithm where we, we can't, I struggle to reverse engineer those in any meaningful way. And I'm being fully transparent. If there's someone out there that says, I'm going to make you go viral on TikTok, they're definitely lying to you or they know something that not a lot of people know because it it doesn't seem to operate in a logical way, at least to me. Um, I think Instagram for business still makes way more sense um, because it, there's a certain level of predictability and um, strategy that you can actually write down and start to execute. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to give a, an example of that, we've posted every video that we've made from Billy on Instagram on TikTok. And none of them have performed as well besides maybe one that did just as good on TikTok as it did on Instagram. And then there was one video that did okay on Instagram that did really well on TikTok by like, 10x you know any yeah. of his other videos and it was there was no rhyme or reason for that so tiktok is a little too chaotic for me to to offer as like a service i would say repost anything you make on the tiktok 
Is there truth to the idea that if you make something on TikTok and it's watermarked and then you put it onto Instagram that they power it down? Yeah, I think that's a thing. I think so too. Yeah. Um, and then when you are making, um, do, do people still care about photos? Like are just static posts a thing anymore? I would say no. Um, I've heard some rumblings of like carousels still being big, but it's also like carousels with a video mixed in the middle. Some really weird stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's like two photos and then a video. And, you know, to me, that's just like a, a, a video with like a trailer at the beginning kind of thing. So I would say deprioritize photos. Absolutely. How um, do you feel about, um, there's a service called CapCut that is a video editing service that makes making slick, creative videos pretty fun and fairly easy. Is that something you like or... Um, I think it's a great tool uh, for people to start getting their hands on it themselves. Um, I don't personally use it, but we have opened the floodgates to anything and everything that helps us do it faster and better. Um, so like a AI captions, that's a thing we use all the time. Um, you know, even some AI editing of long format is becoming a thing too, um, especially for like podcasts like this, right? We can chop it up and get the best 15 clips without watching the footage back that's a very new thing that we're doing right now um and that just helps us with velocity uh, so i think yeah CapCut's great we don't use it professionally um not that you can't make good stuff on there but i think it's a good tool i despised canva in the early days but i get why people use it because they don't want to learn photoshop and they're not going to and there's marketing professionals that use canva and they're going to continue and canva will get better so yeah, I think it'll get better too. I've used it for a long time, but it was still, yeah, it was hard to use and still is. I mean, it gets yeah. a little better, but you know, mm -hmm. I've learned, I used to like get all, try to get all creative with the templates and now I'm like, nope, just use what they have and change out the elements and you'll save a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the thing right now. It's like as creatives and it's the last thing I'll say and let you ask your question, but, um, as creatives, like there's, like, you want to contribute to the world in a unique way that's only yours, right? That's how most creatives feel. Like this was my idea. I thought of this, this is my contribution. Um, and I had that feeling for a long time. And then I started realizing like, well, I kind of borrowed that idea from something else I saw. And then, you know, and then I saw someone else do it and now I'm doing it. And now it's like, are there really that many original thoughts going out into the world? You know, thank and you. Big topics here. Um, okay, here. Yeah. Okay, because I really geek out on these thoughts about cookbook writing because I'm writing all these recipes. I maybe see a rest, like I'm consuming a lot of content myself. So I'm seeing right. things, I'm being exposed to things, I'm at restaurants eating things, you know, seasonality of ingredients are coming across my plate. And then I'm like, okay, I need to make something for the Super Bowl. Well, I want to make a like buffalo chicken type thing, but like the wings have been done, the dips have been done. It's incredibly hard to come up with something super original. And then even when you do and you look for it, you can find 55,000 versions of the same thing that you thought was yours. It's right. becoming really challenging. So 
I'm just trying to lean into the space of intent. Like, is yes. my intent pure? And am I not like literally going to someone's website and scraping their recipe and scraping their ingredients? Am I making it in a way that feels unique to me, that feels fresh to me? Am I documenting that process? And that's the only way I've come to some peace with this this situation. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's a strange world. Um, it's taking that quote like good artists cop or good artists. What is it? Something about great artists feel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a sense, too. And and if you look at TikTok, it's just a ripoff of the original like Instagram and then Instagram ripped off TikTok for reels like it's just all a big soup, right? Yeah. And actually, I I, I always uh, mourn Snapchat because they were the ones that did stories and they just got completely left behind in the ether of the internet. Which is kind of like, weird. Everyone, it's super weird. And they like they did they really did some innovation in the early days with the stories. And we still use stories now, which I think they kind of fell off a little bit just because it became like everyone's junk, you know, but um, I really like story that that story is cool. And then as soon as Instagram got it, like, man, that's so upsetting. They just stole it and no one cares. And Do I had, like, still no use Snapchat. I don't. I left it behind because it's just using what people use is yeah. I think what wins. Um, I used to be an Android guy and I still enjoyed Android, but you know, everyone wanted a FaceTime or uh, iMessage. So I still think Apple should do a subscription based uh, iMessage and FaceTime for any phone platform. Oh, like if you're on Android, yeah, you, you can pay yep. bucks and you got iMessage and FaceTime. Everyone's connected. Apple still gets their billions. Everyone's happy. And we wouldn't need WhatsApp then. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, how do you, I'm going to ask a few more questions here and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. User generated content is what a lot of people are relying on to drive their marketing messages. Um, this is yeah. content that's created by the people that use their products, not driven by them. Are we seeing less interest in that or more as we go? Hmm. A good question. Let me think about that for a second. Because some of it's so bad. Some of the bad stuff does better than some of the good stuff. Well, and I was yeah. going to say, we seem to be commod like the amateur-ish things, things that like I would never have posted a photograph like that before is almost now the thing that because it feels authentic. The word authenticity is getting thrown around a lot, probably too much, but we got yes. so jaded about the internet and so jaded about fake news that now everyone's looking for this authenticity, but let's face yeah. it. Like, I'm just going to throw out this, you know, if you look at like ballerina farm or you look at any of these giant massive influencers, you know, they're making sourdough bread from scratch into pizza, homemaking the cheese, milking the cow. Like that's not, that's not authentic. That's not really happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're in a weird space in time right now. I think 2022 to now is a weird space in time um, because it's like the smart people know that you need to make it amateur to be authentic. But then it's like, is that authentic? Or are we just playing this weird game? It's like yes. cat and mouse, you know? Um, and influencers, we, like 
you used to be able like there's an there's an influencer that she's got like a tiny shirt on and nine dishes in front of her and it's like ooh look at this delicious food well you can tell that she hasn't eaten any of that and will never eat it because you can just look at her and be like there's no way that girl eats that stuff so yeah. like the influencer game you used to get paid to influence or paid to post the the industry is larger than ever but it seems like it's really switching who it's using to influence yeah yeah i agree um i think people that are like professional influencers or are creating ugc content like and that's what they do i don't think it's ugc anymore i think that's a new kind of creator that specializes in a specific format um, and we're starting to create those formats ourselves right um, so I don't think, I think UGC is a random person walks in, takes some video of your you know, food and then shares it, tags the company, but doesn't have any financial interest in it. That to me is UGC. And I think that's valuable and that's great. That's like real word of mouth. I think if someone's spending more than 10 minutes editing something, it's now a professional service. And so I think there's, um, I think that style is something to be used until it's not. And we're, we're using it right now currently, but I don't think it'll be forever. I think that style is just a trend. Um, and like, here's my, also for my prediction, and we could just geek out on this forever, but you know how like celebrities always end up coming in and stealing everything. So like we like started, creators started podcasting, right? I've been podcasting for seven years. Well now like, Ooh, the number one podcast is Smartless with three professional actors just hanging around and talking like they're buddies. And, you know, we're going to see like endorsements. UGC content is going to be Ryan Reynolds running across our Instagram screen, you know, with him and his hot wife and they're going to eat dinner at so-and-so like as soon as the content creators create stuff, then the celebrities and the influence comes in and the money. And then the yeah. content creators have to go on to the next thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think, we're snack is positioned in a good way where there was like this return to authenticity in UGC. <clears throat> and I think that's working for now, but then when everyone's doing that, then it's going to be a chase back to quality. So I'm thinking, I mean, I'm dreaming about the Crave days where we're filming high end again um, and that might come back and we're prepared for it. Um, but I think it's just keeping a pulse on what's working. I think they're going to be documentary style, like 10 minute little and I think it'll probably happen on YouTube and then the other platforms will find a way to make longer content. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's, you got to watch the market and move with it. I, I got tired of fighting against it and wanting my own idea. I'm like, okay, what's happening right now? There's so, real value in that Hector. So you're smart. Yeah. I, I've loved chatting with you. It's been super fun. Good luck. I am excited for you. I will spread the word and be an evangelist for you because I do think that this is something that people in the food space could really utilize. And if Billy is any indication, that guy's smart. I know he's not doing it if it's not putting butts in seats. So yeah. Thanks, Thank Hector. It's great to chat with you. Great to meet Bye -bye. you.